Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this wonderful, cold Thursday in Philadelphia, almost to December, but more importantly, almost to the big matchup on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. Hope everyone's having a great day. I see some of my Power Hour crew already checking in in the chat. Absolutely love it. We got a great show today. Going to talk a lot of Eagles. And then like we're joined every Thursday, we'll have our Thursdays with Farzi coming up. Mark Farzetta will be joining the show. Need to talk to him about some of these Eagles topics we got. 49ers, man. We got a lot to talk about. Debo Samuel not backing down on his trash comment about James Bradbury. So we'll talk about that. And very quickly, we'll talk about the Sixers this morning. I see Wine Niners Wine once more Flyers talk. Can't give you too much Flyers talk today, Wine Niners Wine. Not much to talk about. They got a game tonight against the New Jersey Devils. But we will see. But then we have the Cowboys in action tonight. Looking for their fourth straight win. By the time that game kicks off, they may be double-digit favorites again for the fourth straight week, which is just crazy. But let's get a little roll call. From my Power Hour crew, I see everybody checking in. Jim G, good morning. Wine Niners Wine, always bright and early in the house. Love it. Tampa Eagle, Steve Ike, Twiz, WCBJJ, Jason A-Team, Decoy Gaming, MC, Neil Watson, Bobby Murphy, Vince Engelking. Love it. Loving all the Power Hour crew today. But let's start off with the Sixers. We'll get them out of the way first. Joel Embiid, a last-minute scratch last night because of illness. And without Joel, Sixers looked bad. They looked really bad against the New Orleans Pelicans. They lose 124-114, to 114, but that doesn't even begin to show how bad it was. They were getting dominated pretty much that entire game, down by over 20 at certain points. Season-high 21 turnovers. So... They got to figure something out, the Sixers, because they just looked really bad. Tyrese does go for over 30 again, but didn't have his best game. Turned the ball over a lot. And then uh, Nick Batum had to leave the game because of a finger injury. So we'll see what happens there. But not going to talk too much Sixers today because there's a lot of Eagle stuff to talk about today. But let's first start talking about Shaq Leonard. Yesterday on the show... I thought Shaq Leonard would have been signed by the end of the day yesterday. We all saw Shaq Leonard was in the building. We saw he got picked up by Big Dom at the airport. That's usually a good sign. And then the fact that Sirianni didn't hide from the fact that they wanted this guy. In his press conference yesterday, they asked him about what his pitch would be to Shaq. He talked, said he had called Shaq a bunch earlier in the week, told him basically 
He was going to be honest with them about what this team was like, what this building was like. I really am surprised that Shaq Leonard was let let to leave that Philadelphia Novacare complex. Now, obviously what that means is Shaq Leonard's agents looking for a better deal. And it's probably not all about money. It's probably about years. It's probably about do the Eagles want to sign him for more than just the rest of this season? We know he visited the Dallas Cowboys earlier in the week. Do they want to offer him more than just this year? But at this point, I am extremely concerned going into the San Francisco 49ers game with the linebacker core that we currently have. Now, I don't know, even if they would have signed Shaq Leonard yesterday, would he have been ready for Sunday? He probably would have been. This isn't like he was coming up off the street. Indianapolis released him less than two weeks ago. So this is a guy who's in playing shape. And I don't think it would have been that difficult for him to pick up the defense, you know, cover two, cover three. It wasn't going to be that crazy for him to be able to pick it up. But I don't like that he left the building because now Zach Cunningham's out. We know N'Kobe Dean already on IR. We're going into the biggest game of the year for the Philadelphia Eagles as far as the opponent goes. A really good offense. And our linebackers are Nick Morrow, Christian Ellis, and Ben Van Sumeren. That is our linebacking core. That has me really, really concerned. Look, we talked about it on this show before. As much as I hate the 49ers, they are a really good offense. A really good offense. Top three in the NFL in total yards per game. Top three in points per game. Top 10 in passing, top 10 in rushing, top five in yards per carry. And I'm not as worried about their running game with this linebacker crew. I think Nick Morrow, that defensive front, can do a good job stopping the run. But Christian Ellis is a major liability in the passing game, a major liability. And I like the way Christian Ellis plays the game. Plays like his hair's on fire, man. No problem hitting people. A great special teamer. But he will get taken advantage of by this San Francisco 49ers offense. There is no doubt about it. With all the misdirection, how everything kind of looks the same, that is the key to a Kyle Shanahan offense. A lot of their plays look the same. They'll run a couple of stretch plays, and then run a play-action rollout pass from that stretch play, and it'll look identical. Can Christian Ellis decipher what's a run, what's a pass? I'm really, really concerned about him in this football game. And I'm looking at his pro football focus right now for Christian Ellis. He has a 43-grade. A 43 and a 39 in coverage. That's concerning. That is really concerning. And I see it's Joe Ho saying, who the hell is Ben Van Sumeren? Good question. He was an undrafted rookie free agent that they signed. 
Got a lot of potential. The kid is an athlete. But he was only playing linebacker for a couple of years now. Was actually at Michigan as a fullback. Converts to a linebacker. He's extremely raw. If Ben Van Sumeren gets in this game, watch out. And I see Bobby Murphy in the chat talking about how they can't overpay Leonard with his injury concerns. And that's the dilemma that we find ourselves in right now. Would you overpay Leonard? I have no problem with the money. The concern with Leonard right now is does he want additional years? Because are you going to lock yourself in? Look, if they had to overpay him for the rest of this season, I'm okay with it. Simply because you need the depth. But if you have to give this guy additional years to sign him, well, now are you hand, you know, handcuffing yourself next season and maybe the year after? That's the big concern. But as it looks right now, I'm nervous, man. I am nervous about this Philadelphia Eagles team against the San Francisco 49ers with that linebacking core. Now, what you may see them do is maybe they go with a little more five-man front, single linebacker, dime. Keep five corners on the field, five down linemen on the field, one linebacker. That may be a way to eliminate your concerns about Christian Ellis in the passing game. Get Kevin Byard a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Have him play almost like you used to see Malcolm Jenkins play, kind of like a linebacker, a little bit of a hybrid. That may be the way to do it in this football game. And when the Eagles come out in a five-man front, no one's running the football on them. No one. And what may not be a bad idea, have BG play a little bit of D-tackle in that five-man front. So now you have Reddick and Sweat on the outside. You got Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, or Milton Williams at two of those tackle positions. Maybe move BG in so you can get a little bit more interior pressure on Purdy. But let's look at that injury report that came out yesterday. Now, this was all estimated because the Eagles had a walkthrough. But you look at this injury report from yesterday, and there are a lot of concerns. Fletcher Cox did not practice with his groin. Zach Cunningham did not practice with the hamstring. It's being reported that Cunningham is going to miss this week and maybe longer. That's why I'm saying I'm nervous about this linebacker position. Justin Evans still out with the knee. That's not as concerning to safety. But then a couple other injuries popped up. Jordan Davis limited with a hamstring. Let's hope that is more of a precautionary thing because if you're going to be without Fletcher Cox, you can't be without Jordan Davis in this football game. Milton Williams limited with that concussion. I think he'll be okay. He'll clear concussion protocol and be able to play, but they're going to need it, man. It's all hands on deck against this 49ers team. But that's why when I look at this spread and it's still, I'm still seeing it hovering around three points that the Eagles are three point dogs. I don't think that's disrespectful anymore. I'll give you guys my prediction tomorrow. We'll do our football Friday, and I want to see who out of these guys is still going to play. But I don't think it's disrespectful to say that the 49ers are a three-point favorite in this game. You look at all of the factors. First of all, and I don't want 
anyone to misconstrue this as excuses. We don't make excuses in Philadelphia. We line up and we play. But you look at the facts. The San Francisco 49ers are coming off 10 days rest. They played on Thursday. The Philadelphia Eagles just played an overtime game where their defense was on the field 95 snaps. A lot of these guys just played career highs in snaps. Then you mix in the fact that Zach Cunningham's hurt. Fletcher Cox is hurt. Jordan Davis is limited. Milton Williams is battling back from a concussion. This is a tough spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. A really tough spot. And the way the schedule worked out for the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles, they don't get any breaks, man. You got the Dallas Cowboys playing tonight. You're going to get the Cowboys on 10 days rest next week. So this is why when we looked at this schedule and we started to talk about how this was a difficult stretch, it wasn't just the teams they were playing. It's the way it's set up. It's the way that it's set up because you got two teams coming on 10 days rest. You got to go to Dallas. You got to go to Seattle. Not as concerned about that Seattle game. But that three-point spread, I don't look at it as disrespectful. I kind of look at it as pretty accurate right now when you look at these injuries. And I'm only talking about injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about the offense. Is Lane Johnson going to be a go? I know he said he's going to play. But he was a limited participant yesterday. Is he going to be at 100%? And if the Eagles' defense is going to be banged up, they're going to give up points. There is no doubt about it that the Eagles will give up points to the San Francisco 49ers. So it's going to be up to the Philadelphia Eagles' offense to score. They're going to have to put up points. They're going to have to control the ball. It's going to be very difficult to do that if it's Jack Driscoll and not Lane Johnson or if Lane Johnson's not 100%. So I'm not as angry about the three-point spread. And I see the fan DeLorean here saying, Bill, please address the fact that San Francisco hasn't beat a single team with a top 15 offense. And we beat Kansas City, Miami, Buffalo, and Dallas. Come on, man. It's not accurate. So I talked about this yesterday a little bit, the Fandalorian, and you are correct. The Dallas, not the Dallas Cowboys. I'm already a week ahead. The San Francisco 49ers have beaten one team with an offense in the top 13 as far as yards per game, and that was the Dallas Cowboys. They crushed the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have a good offense. We've seen it. That was the only team that the San Francisco 49ers have beaten that have a top 13 offense in terms of yards. They've only beaten one team that has a top 10 rushing offense, and that was the 2-10 and 10 Arizona Cardinals. So, yes, these are promising signs. Can the Eagles establish the run? Eagles have a top 10 rushing offense. Eagles are number eight in the NFL, averaging 133. 49ers have only beat one team with a top 10 rushing offense. And you know how bad the Cardinals are. And they've also only beaten one team that has a top 10 offense in terms of points per game. Again, the Dallas Cowboys. Philadelphia Eagles, top three. 
actually tied with the San Francisco 49ers in points per game at 28.2. So I agree with you, the Fandalorian. There are some promising signs, but you can't take it away from the 49ers. They are an extremely good football team. Extremely good. And I did, Wine Niners Wine saying, I, I don't crack a smile. I don't know. I must have missed a joke. Oh, I think you're talking about the linebacker position. Yeah, man, it doesn't make me smile, that linebacker position. It makes me nervous. It really does. Especially against an offense like Kyle Shanahan's offense. Because your linebackers have to really be able to read what's going on. Because everything's going to look the same. Everything looks the same. There's a lot of misdirection. And we know the weapons that this team has. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. But a guy not to forget is Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver. He's been really good this season. But I'm not as concerned with what's going to go on on the outside. I think Slay and Bradbury will be ready to play in this game. Debo Samuel calling James Bradbury trash last year and doubling down saying he doesn't regret anything he said. I think those guys will be ready. But where I'm concerned is where the Eagles have kind of struggled all year, which is in the middle of the field. Well, now you're going to add in the fact that you have no Zach Cunningham, who's been one of your best linebackers in coverage. So we will see. But like I said, if I'm Sean Desai, I'm going a lot of five-man front, one linebacker, five corners, five secondary players. But we'll see what happens. But talking about playmakers, guys, before we take a break and we'll bring on Farzee after, we talked a little bit yesterday about Deshaun Jackson retiring as an Eagle. And just really cool that he's going to be coming back, retiring as a Philadelphia Eagle on Friday. They'll honor him as an honorary captain on Sunday. And if you're here in the chat, what are your best memories of DJAX? I've told you guys before, but head on over to my Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, or on Twitter, at Bill Calarulo. I posted a video. I had Merrill Reese on my show over the summer. And I asked Merrill Reese, outside of Super Bowl 52, what was your greatest memory in the 45-plus years that you've been calling Philadelphia Eagles games? He didn't even have to think about it. He said, easy. And then he went on about the Miracle at Meadowlands number two. And you got to watch this video. Like I said, go to my Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face. Merrill Reese remembers every single play from the Miracle at the Meadowlands number two like it happened yesterday. And that was just a legendary call. One of the best memories I have of DJX. Yeah, I see a lot of people checking in. Miracle at the Meadowlands, the D-Jack punt return versus the Giants. Bowner Johnson was at the game at the Meadowlands. That was freaking awesome, man. So check it out. Go to my Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, and you'll see the video of Merrill Reese reliving that moment, which was pretty cool. But just listen to some of these stats from d So his average yards per catch is 17.6. That is the sixth highest average yards per catch in NFL history with receivers with more than 500 catches. He has an NFL record 26 touchdowns of 60 yards or more. To put that into perspective, Jerry Rice has 23. 
He also has the NFL record. He's tied with five touchdowns of 80 yards or more. Djax was the man. He was the absolute man. It's going to be cool to see him get his ovation on Sunday. But when we get back, guys, we're going to be joined by my man, Mark Farzetta. So stay tuned. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. We will be right back. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Everybody, welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with one of my favorite parts of the week, our Thursdays with Farzy, being joined by Mark Farzetta. What's going on, my brother? Oh, that's so nice, Bill. Thank you. One of my favorite parts of the week, too. And I'm not just saying it because you said it first. All right. <laughs> I look forward to this each and every week. What's going on, brother? 
All good, man. All good. Getting excited. It's almost here. Big game on Sunday against the 49ers. But, look, I don't like to use the word nervous, but I'm getting a little bit nervous. Oh, oh boy. I'm getting nervous. nervous. Just well, it's, the biggest, it's the biggest game of the year. It's the biggest game of the year. The, the Chiefs, it, it was it was nice. You get that monkey off your back that you could beat that team, get that in your head before you play in the Super Bowl. So that's nice. But this is a grudge match against the San Francisco 49ers. And usually we only reserve that for a team like the Cowboys. You know what I mean? But this is by far the biggest grudge match that the Eagles have had in quite some time. I mean, you look at this game here against the 49ers, all the trash talk that has gone on, literally trash talk. One guy calling another guy on the Eagles, trash. Like literally trash talk. And for me, I just, like, I know Nick Sirianni said, you know, it's just another game, it's just another game, it's just another game. But he said the same thing about the Cowboys, said the same thing about the Chiefs. And he was running off the field. You know, how do you like that? See ya, all that stuff. I, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like after this, the Eagles pull off a win as underdogs at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Man, it's going to be incredible. I, I hope you're right. I haven't given my prediction yet. We'll do that tomorrow. But my concerns and the reason I'm nervous is because mainly this linebacker position, Farzi, we saw Shaq Leonard was in town yesterday. I don't know if he's the answer or not, but they didn't sign him. Looks like he's going to take the weekend to think about it. But as of right now, you're going into this game with your starting linebackers as Nick Morrow, Christian Ellis, and it looks like the first backup, Ben Van Sumeren. Are you concerned about the linebacker position? Yes, I there, I have a million concerns about the game. I have I am this is a worry. This is uh what did you call it? Nervous. This is look, the, the Eagle, it's right to call the Eagles underdogs. If you go through the X's and O's of it all, especially with not having any linebackers, and even by the Eagles standard, they're not they don't have linebackers ready to go for this game. And if you do get down to Ben von Sumeren, a guy who was a fullback a couple of years ago, that could be a little bit of a concern and a little bit of a worry. But overall, this team, it does the cliche thing that we always talk about after every single Eagles win. They find a way to win the game. And this will be the ultimate test, especially not just you're going into this game down in the linebacker position, you're going into this game most likely banged up. I mean, just look at the estimated injury report after walk walk through Bill. All you had to do was go out there and walk around, and they didn't have guys that were up and ready to do that. Meanwhile, the, the other side of the table, the San Francisco 49ers are coming to this game well-rested after playing very well on Thanksgiving, I might add. So their feet have been up. They've been in the whirlpool a couple of more days longer than the Eagles have, and the Eagles got to come into this game after, what, 95 snaps defensively? In this game here against the uh, Buffalo Bills, and now they got to come up here against San Francisco 49ers and and find something left in the tank. So people always talk to me about you know the espresso and the Red Bull and whatever. Oh my goodness, the Eagles are going to need an IV drip of that go-go juice going into this game against the Niners. So yeah, whether it's linebackers, whether it's energy, there are concerns, a whole laundry list of them going into this game because again, it's the biggest game of the year, and you're you're facing the best team you have faced to this point this season. Now, I've said before that I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles need to win this football game. Obviously, they would still control their own destiny with sure. regard to the number one seed. But let's look at it from the other perspective. The San Francisco 49ers, with how much they have talked. You mentioned them calling JB trash. You had their kicker talking about how Jalen Hurts was a system quarterback. And all these guys <laughs> talking about how different it would have been if Purdy didn't get hurt in the NFC Championship game. Is this a must-win game 
for the San Francisco 49ers, not only for the standings and their wanting to try to catch the Eagles as the number one seed, but just their psyche with all of the trash talk they've done to come in here with the Eagles on a shorter week, with the Eagles banged up, with the Eagles as underdogs. What happens to the 49ers if they lose this game? I think they have to forfeit the name San Francisco and they have to officially become the Santa Clara 49ers. I think that's what they have to do if they lose the game. No, yeah, it's a. I, I hate the words must win when they're not applied to actual must win games. But yes, it's as close to a must win game for the 49ers as humanly possible. I talked earlier about the Eagles being able to get that monkey off their back by being able to beat the Chiefs and just get it out of there. Okay, get it in their head. All right, we can beat this team when push comes to shove. We've done it here. We can do it there. That whole thing. San Francisco 49ers, the same type of mentality when it's going from the regular season to the postseason. They want to know that they can beat the Eagles. They also want to know that they, they should have beat the Eagles a year ago in the NFC Championship game. And to use your words, yes, if Brock Purdy stays in, maybe they win that game. I mean, it was a complete and utter blowout, 31-7. So the Eagles had control of that game regardless. When you look at this game, the 49ers want to know that they could beat the Eagles. They want to know they could beat them with their – Passer rating leader Brock Purdy right now being able to attack this secondary, attack the lack of a linebacking core right now that the Eagles have. They want to know that they could beat the Eagles, not just for playoff seeding and to help their odds of getting the number one seed later on, but also in the playoffs, should they go into Philadelphia or they host the Eagles, they want to know that they could beat the Birds. It, 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 yes, there's a huge revenge factor. There's a lot of trash talk and there's a lot of seeding that goes into this game. So for the 49ers, without question, it is as close to the must-win game as you could possibly get to. Now, you and I have the luxury of being able to watch these games together down at the Ocean Casino. We do the Jacob Sports game day shows, and we're sitting there watching the Buffalo Bills game. It's the first half. Eagles obviously did not look good in that first half, and you said something that really resonated. You said to me, Bill, Eagles don't have bad games. They only have bad halves, and that turned out to be Prophetic because prophetic, that's the right word, right? Prophetic. Prophetic, I think so. <laughs> I think that's the right word there. Yeah, yeah. That I don't know words good. Yeah. I don't know the words good. Sorry. I don't speak good. <laughs> but that turned out to be prophetic. But my question to you is, can the Philadelphia Eagles afford to have a bad half and beat the San Francisco 49ers team? Nope. Nope. No, they can't. This is like the, what we have talked about, it was supposed to end at the Chiefs game. With all the, 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 another cliche, you, know, you can't play like this against team that's good and expect to win. And it was all up until the Chiefs game. Then they didn't play that great against the Chiefs, and they still beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs actually outmistaked the Eagles, which was good. Now the Eagles, they made plays. I gave credit to Bradley Roby. Give credit uh, credit to uh, Kevin Byard intercepting uh, Patrick Mahomes in the end zone. They they made plays when they needed to make plays. The Chiefs also had a slew of mistakes, the drops most notably of above all else. The Bills shot themselves in the foot a number of times with all the penalties that they had called on them. Uh, Jason Kelsey almost shot the Eagles in the foot with the back-to-back -back false start penalties, which is just an anomaly. This is the team that you can't make more so than the Chiefs, more so than the Dolphins, more so than the Cowboys. This is the team you can't make those mistakes against. They are way too well-rounded of a football team, offensively, defensively, weapon-wise, offensively. You can't make the mistakes that you have made in the past. And Nick Sirianni talked about that in the press conference. The number one thing is turnovers. You're going up against a number one. You're going up against another team that is tops in the league in turnover. I think they're tied right now with the Bills 
for second most turnovers or takeaways, I should say, in the NFL. You're also now going up against a team as an Eagles football team that has minus two in the turnover battle. So it's going to come down to making sure you don't make those mistakes. And like Nick Sirianni said yesterday, you got turnovers and you got splash plays. It's not point differential, but if you make those two plays, if you if you capitalize in those two categories, the splash plays and lack of turnovers, and then and then making sure you get the takeaways, you're going to win most of the games you play this season. You're going to win most of the football games you play in a career. So that's going to be a huge factor going into this game. It's all going to be about turnovers and whoever makes fewer mistakes because the Eagles can't make those mistakes against San Francisco 49ers. You're right. Sirianni yesterday made a point to talk about turnover differential. And like you mentioned, the Philadelphia Eagles minus two turnover differential. It's amazing that they're still sitting here at 10 and one. But that San Francisco 49ers team, you mentioned number two with takeaways. They are number one in turnover differential. They are a plus 11 because they have 21 takeaways on defense. They've only turned it over 10 times on offense. You think this Philadelphia Eagles team can try to force some takeaways in this game? They're going to have to. I mean, in all honesty, they're going to have to. They're going to have to do a lot of what they did against Kansas City Chiefs, which is kind of coax them into making mistakes, whether that's penalties, whether that's uh, errant throws from Brock Purdy. Uh, he's only got six interceptions on the season, 19 touchdowns, I believe. Doesn't throw the ball a ton, but when he throws it, he throws – I mean, when he throws, he throws to kill. I give him credit for that. It's going to be it's going to be the biggest factor in this game is whether or not they can force the 49ers into making mistakes and if you don't have your linebacking core at 100% then your outside or edge rushers guys like Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, those guys are going to have to make Nolan Carroll or excuse me Nolan Carroll. Nolan Smith going to have to make a play and obviously your interior defensive lineman Fletcher Cox, uh, Javon uh, uh, Javon Jalen Carter, Let's these hope guys Javon gonna- doesn't make a play. Yeah, absolutely. And Jordan Davis. And these guys are coming off an amazing amount of snaps against the Bills. Uh, so on on that short week of playing Monday night and then Sunday, obviously. So it, it's going to be – it's a tall order to ask your interior defensive linemen and your edge rushers at the same time to really make up for not having linebackers that you really trust. Nicholas Morrow has shown flashes, a three-interception game. He has done a hell of a job at certain uh, – excuse me, a three-sack game earlier in the season. He's done a great job uh, in certain instances this season, but he's going to be asked to do it at the highest rate and best level he's ever done it. So, yeah, Shaq Leonard would have been a great addition this week. Knowing that you're not going to have him in this game is, is going to be pretty damn tough, but it's all going to come down to your interior defensive linemen, whether or not they're able to shrug off any type of fatigue and make sure they can force a guy like Brock Purdy and really this entire San Francisco 49ers offense into making mistakes. You mentioned Shaq Leonard again. Let me just ask you about him. So it looks like he's taken the weekend to think about what he wants to do, which signals to me his agent is trying to get a better deal. Yeah. He went and visited the Cowboys. He came and visited the Eagles. It's probably not about money as much as it's about years. So you look at Shaq Leonard. Guy's been an All-Pro four times. First team All-Pro three times. Second team All-Pro once but has back surgery after the 2021 season, has a setback in 2022, only plays three games that year, hasn't looked great in 2023 with Indianapolis. They waive him, which we've talked about on this show before. Teams don't usually just waive a guy who's good. They got nothing for him, and they're still on the hook to pay his salary. So we don't know how much does he have left. But knowing where the Philadelphia Eagles are, how desperate we've become at the linebacker position with Dean on IR, Zach Cunningham, 
may, maybe missing multiple weeks. Nick Morrow, like you said, may, being flashed at times. Would you give Shaq Leonard more than a one-year deal for this season? And right now, and this is a push-gov-to-shove moment, it's absolutely. I mean, the, what, the worst-case scenario, what do I got? I got a, a veteran who has played at a high level in his career. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. And I understand the back surgery and all that. If you got to go an extra year, fine. The other thing might be weighing the options of where you think you have the biggest opportunity to play and where you have the biggest opportunity to win. To win and to play is Philadelphia. I think it's pretty clear cut at this point. I love the idea that this wasn't him walking away from the, the, the Cowboys because he just all of a sudden wanted to play in Philadelphia. I love the fact that two teams in the Eagles and the Cowboys are vying for his, uh, uh, his, uh, his ability, and he's going to have to pick between these two teams. So this, this at least tells me that there are two other NFL teams that maybe weren't willing to trade for him, but are at least willing to bring him in to play a significant amount of snaps for their defense. It's not just one team outbidding another. There are two teams that really want this guy playing as a linebacker on their defense. So that, that, that at least makes me rest assured that the guy still has something left in the tank. Now it's kind of what I think people refer to as ring shopping nowadays. In Dominican Sue last year, Linville Joseph last year, they thought they had an opportunity to win a championship in Philadelphia. Obviously, they got pretty close. I think Shaq Leonard is in a very similar situation uh, than uh, as uh, Linville Joseph and In Dominican Sue last year. And I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be in Philadelphia. If it's going to be an extra year, then I trust Howie Roseman to work out the right deal financially that makes sense for the Eagles. And let's face it, there's always going to be that out clause somewhere along the line. So, yes, I would go with that extra year if it means you can sure him up for the rest of the season. Because we know N'Kobe Dean is done. N'Kobe Dean announced it himself. He's done for the year. It's not just IR anymore. He is done. So, yes, you're going to need another linebacker. I agree with you. I would give Shaq whatever he wants right now because I'm willing to take the chance. And you look at pro football focus, even with Shaq Leonard maybe not playing to the abilities that he had before his back surgery, he's still being graded higher than what Christian Ellis has been graded at the linebacker <laughs> position. And Ellis is a real liability Oof. in pass coverage. Oof. So one of the things I said before you came on the show that I would do if I was Sean Desai this week is I'd run a lot more five-man front with one linebacker on the field and five defensive backs. I think that could be a way where you get Kevin Byard a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, have him play almost like a hybrid linebacker position because I am – I talked. I said the word nervous earlier. I am petrified of Christian <laughs> Ellis in pass coverage against this Niners team. You didn't like that play-action fake at the goal line for the Bills to go up uh, – go up, what was it, I think, four points at that time to Gabe Davis because that had me uh, – that had me shaking in my boots a little bit there, my friend. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's nervous to watch him. Petrified is an even better word. <laughs> the the Eagles are going to have to do something to to help out their linebacking core in the very near future. I don't know what that is. If you want to go to five man front, maybe that that'll obviously get you a little bit more pressure. The thing is, though, you really have to be concerned with what George Kittle could do against you. Yeah, the third leading receiver for tight ends in the NFL right now, going up against the worst. The worst pass defense when tight ends are targeted in the NFL. Like 125 passer rating, I think is what they allow, which is the highest in the NFL for, for targeted tight ends. I don't know what you I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what Sean Desai is gonna do. I know people are trying to rest assured that he had seen uh the San Francisco 49ers defense, or excuse me, offense three times last year when he was with Seattle. They didn't fare well. 
They did not fare well in those games. So people are trying to relax on that for a second. I'm not. Yeah, he's familiar, but it didn't literally look like Seattle had too much to figure out there against uh, – or had a lot to figure out last year in three trips against San Francisco. And unfortunately, it's not just George Kittle. We know Debo Samuel can make plays. Yep. Brandon Ayuk is good on the outside. And then they also have a guy named Christian McCaffrey at the running back position who's been unbelievable this season. And I had Kayla Santiago on the show yesterday. I asked her her opinion on this. I'm curious what yours is as well. You look at Christian McCaffrey, and let me find the numbers here. The amount of times that they've used him this year, in my opinion, has been reckless. He's got 193 carries. He's on pace for 300 carries. He's got 48 catches. He's on pace for 75 catches. That's 375 touches this season. And I get it. You don't want to be scared. You want to try to use your playmakers as much as possible. But do you think Kyle Shanahan's being a little bit reckless with how much they're using CMC? Um, you traded for him for a reason. This is this is the reason why. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. You're, you're trying to get past the point that you haven't been able to get past point, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, get past in recent years in San Francisco. This is what you're trying to do. It's to answer your question, yes, if you're talking about the longevity of Christian McCaffrey, but he's still a running back, and there's not going to be many more years after this one. The San Francisco 49ers, given a nine given 90 million dollars to Javon Hargrave, obviously last year going to trade for Christian McCaffrey and bringing him in before the deadline. That's them pushing all their cards in the middle of the table. It could be gone in the blink of an eye, Bill. Look at Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game last year. It could all be gone in the blink of an eye. Are they being reckless? Absolutely. Are they abusing the hell out of a running back? Most definitely. Um, th there's not many years after this one. There's not many years after this one. Maybe not, not with Christian McCaffrey. And Christian McCaffrey certainly makes things a lot easier for an offense when he's got things clicking. Coming off a two-touchdown game, obviously, on uh, Thanksgiving. So they're going to be using and abusing him for the foreseeable future. And I hate the 49ers, but there are a couple guys on those on their team that I like. CMC is one. Fred Warner at linebacker is another. Those guys are just some really good players. But yeah. you mentioned Brock Purdy, what happened in the NFC Championship game. Let me ask you your opinion on Brock Purdy because I'm going to admit that I was wrong. I thought Brock Purdy, it was only a matter of time before he would come back down to earth. I thought maybe you saw it this season. The 49ers lost three straight. I said, okay, now we're going to find out what Brock Purdy is made of. How is he going to bounce back from adversity? The first time he really faced any adversity in the NFL. And he's looked good over the last few weeks. What do you think of Brock Purdy? Is he the real deal? Uh, I think he's the real deal. I mean, for me, it's all about how you respond to that adversity. And you lose three. In a first off, you get hurt. You come in. You come back. And you the, the franchise is looking to you in the offseason. You are going to be the number one guy. Like, it was already his job. I'm like... I know it had a hot start, and you know things were great for him last year. But are they just going to hand that to him after they had Trey Lance? You know what I mean? And it was like, oh yeah, that was gone of a blink, and I trade him to the Cowboys, and Brock Purdy is off and running uh, for this uh, San Francisco 49ers team. He is the real deal. Then he faced adversity with the in he faced adversity with the injury, uh, faced adversity with the three game losing streak this year, and he just continues to to truck along. And it's not like he's just managing games for a defense to be the star of the show, even though San Francisco has one of the best defenses also in the NFL. Um, but he's leading the league in passer rating. Like I said, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions this year. He has the ability to take off and run for a couple of yards. He's an athlete. And like I said, when he throws, he throws to kill. It, it's not plentiful the amount of times he throws, but it's highly efficient when he does. 
And that's something that I think great quarterbacks do. It's not just a matter of uh, catching a defense off guard. It's not just a matter of managing a game. It's that he has the ability to trust his receivers to get those yards after the catch for him, or he could bomb it downfield to Brandon Ayuk for a big play as well. He's going to manage a game and then also throw the football for that knockout punch. And you know what's funny about that? I had a similar thought like going back to last week's game against the Bills. The Bills were throwing haymakers at the Eagles' defense. Usually the Eagles will establish uh, control in the second half, and then the other team is done. They're knocked out, and the Eagles just take care of business the rest of the way. But the Bills, man, they kept coming back. They started throwing haymakers. They scored a couple of touchdowns in the second half. And usually we haven't seen that in recent weeks with the, against the Eagles. But the Bills were able to do it, and the Eagles responded to the adversity. Jalen Hurts responded to the adversity, and they were able to get the win. The San Francisco 49ers are going to keep on coming. It's going to be a lot like the Buffalo Bills. I don't think this is going to be a game where the Eagles rip their heart out in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden they're just off and running. I don't think it's going to be like that. You're not going to be able to just push this 49ers team aside. If the Eagles go into halftime, trailing by 10 points in this game, I will be more concerned than I have been all season long in all the 10-point deficits at halftime that the Eagles have had. For as great as the streak that Jalen Hurts has had coming against that coming against a 10-point deficit, this isn't the team that you want to bank on a second-half uh, rejuvenation in order to win. I want to talk to you about something here because Dan Kelly Green Burrito says he's a front runner. Talking about first off, great name. I love your name, Dan. Yeah. You know that. All right, but yeah, go ahead. So he says Brock Purdy's a front runner, and not only is Brock Purdy a front runner, but head coach Kyle Shanahan can also be described as a front runner. I want to give you a stat that Jeff Kerr put out on Twitter yesterday. Kyle Shanahan is zero and thirty-seven when being down eight or more points with the 49ers. 0-37. They also have lost 14 games when they've had a 10-plus more lead, which is second most in the NFL. Wow. So not only are they front runners, they also maybe can't hold leads, but I agree with you. I don't want to spot them a 10-point lead. Yeah. But I do think, and I agree with Dan Kelly Green Burrito here, if we can take an early lead, if the Philadelphia Eagles can take an early lead, I think that will be key to them winning this football game. I don't want to see them fall behind. But I just gave you that stat about Kyle Shanahan, and I want to ask you a question. So Kyle Shanahan also in his career, 66-52, and 52, winning percentage of 559. Nick Sirianni, 35-14, and 14, winning percentage of 714. You've seen what Nick Sirianni's been able to do over the last couple of years with this Eagles team. Who are you taking? Kyle Shanahan or Nick Sirianni as your head coach? Nick Sirianni. I'm, and that's not just because you look like Yeah. <laughs> it's not just because I look like, well, I look like his bald older brother when in reality I'm, I'm one year younger than Nick Sirianni. Thank you very much. Um, but no, it's it's because Nick Sirianni just finds finds the right buttons to push. I mean, it's it's one of those things that yeah, you got to look at the the wins and losses, obviously. But the thing that mesmerizes me with the way Nick Sirianni runs his team is that every like I was on Dan Silio's show yesterday, and we were talking about you know the um the the button that Nick Sirianni finds to push to make sure that this is the way his team is going to pull focus and win the football game. 10-1 and one in back-to-back -back seasons, Bill. Like, you don't do that. No matter unless how good. Unless you're Don Shula or Tony Dungy. Apparently. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that just doesn't happen. 
for Nick 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 Sirianni is doing that right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like that's insane to me. He's got to be doing something. He doesn't even he doesn't call plays. So that, that automatically, as an offensive-minded head coach that doesn't call plays, automatically he gets dubbed the cheerleader if he's not the one calling plays. But it goes beyond that. It's all about the preparation throughout the week. He gets his players. You talk about putting players in a position to win, and that's the the, the biggest uh, you know coach speak you can ever come up with. But forget about the position during the game. It's you get their minds in the right position to go out there and play at their absolute best. And you want to talk about tests. This is a huge test of that, considering you played Monday night, then Sunday last week, played all those snaps against the San Francisco, against the um, the Chiefs, and then played all those snaps against the Bills. Did both those games in the rain, came out banged up, and now you got to face this well rested uh, 49ers team. This is going to be the ultimate test of Nick Sirianni really knows how to find his way through the week and make sure that his players are ready and their minds are in the right position to go out there and make plays for their defense and offense in order to win this game. I go with Nick Sirianni because it is such a hard thing to measure just having your team ready to go. And we talk about it all the time with bad head coaches or or head coaches that don't have good weeks and all that stuff. No, he just didn't have his players ready. He didn't have his players ready. When's the last time we said that about Nick Sirianni? I, I can't remember. I don't even know. Maybe since his first year. Maybe since his first year. And even then, he took his team to the playoffs. So for me, it's it's Nick Sirianni over Kyle Shanahan. I agree. And I talked about this last week on this show. I would take Nick Sirianni over every coach in the NFC right now. And that's Kyle Shanahan. That's Sean McVay. That's even Pete Carroll. Definitely Mike McCarthy. Some people said McCarthy because he has a Super Bowl. But I started off our little interview here saying I was a little nervous because of all the injuries the Eagles have because of the short week. But the one thing that still has me thinking that they're going to pull this out is because in my opinion, they have the better coach in Nick Sirianni and the better quarterback in Jalen hurts. And you simply cannot pick against those guys. All they do is find ways to win, not taking anything away. Kyle Shanahan, good coach, Brock Purdy, good quarterback, but I just think Sirianni and hurts are special, man. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I, I like there for as much respect as I have for this game and it being a close game. And I, that's more so where I'm I'm leaning towards some of the people in my chat this morning. We're talking about, you know, a 34 to 10 Eagles win. And I am so tempted to go down that path. Like, for instance, one of the things I think you can throw out the window about the San Francisco 49ers holding leads or or, or blowing leads this season one of the things I go into is the idea that this this Eagles team uh, and this 49ers team, it, like I said earlier, it's a grudge match. So a lot of things, the past stuff has to go out the window because I think this game is bottom line going to be unpredictable. But one of the things that makes me look at this game and say the Eagles, they're going to blow this team out, they're going to win comfortably for the first time in a long time, is the fact that this is the most and biggest prove-it game that you have had this season. Like you, you, obviously the Chiefs, there wasn't any trash talk going into that game between the Chiefs. After that game, there was trash talk. Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously the Eagles secondary, most notably. Yeah, there's a lot of trash talk going back and forth, but not like this San Francisco 49ers team. And they had the biggest wambulance rolling down the street when it came to the Bradbury situation, when it came to Debo Samuel, uh, when it came to the crybaby things, when Hassan Reddick acknowledging after the win over the Bills, there was a lot of boo-hoo and poor me after the NFC Championship game. This is absolutely a grudge match. So whenever you have something like that, I think a lot of the past stuff can go out the window. And if that's going to be the case with past stats and all that, then in the Eagles playing close games throughout this season, 
Something tells me, in the back of my mind, I would not be surprised if the Eagles' pass rush was on point in this game and Jalen Hurts is on point and, and uh, the, the, the game plan from Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson is on point and the, and the game plan from Sean Desai is on point going into this game. A, a little bit of me would not be surprised if the Eagles just absolutely rolled the 49ers in this game. Because this is the biggest game of the season. Yes, for both sides, more on the line must win for the Niners. But ultimately, I believe the Eagles to be the better coach, more talented team. And they can go out there and they can prove that they are not just 10-1, and one, but about to be 11-1 and one in this NFL season. Love it. Farsi's predicted a blowout. I, actually, you know, let's go 100-7. to seven. I'll give him a touchdown. I respect him enough to give him a touchdown. I love it. But, you know, you... You mentioned no, it's going to be close. Wait for the record, it's going to be close. But yeah. go ahead, yeah. But all that trash talking and all that, I did lose a little respect for Kyle Shanahan as a head coach because I think Nick Sirianni would have nipped that in the bud immediately. You would not have heard the Philadelphia Eagles whining after the NFC Championship game the way the San Francisco 49ers were, and it just kept going and kept mm. going and kept going. At one point, or at what point should I say, does Kyle Shanahan say to his team, "Yo"? Enough's enough, guys. Yeah. But uh, I think it's despicable that any player, really any player in the NFL, would call another player in the NFL trash. Like, I, that, that's, if, if you're James Bradbury, I, look, I'll give you, I'll give you one, um, uh, what do you call it? I'll give you one personal foul. I'll give you one, I'll give you one flag in this game if it's a cheap shot or whatever on Demo Samuel. I'll give you one. I'll give you one and I won't be mad about it. As long as it's not like late in the game, uh, but no, in all seriousness, I, I just don't. I don't get that. I wouldn't like an Eagles player doing that. Like even Jason Kelsey recently talking about the Bills calling a, a particular play BS. Yeah, go for it, man. That's fine. But calling another player trash, I know that's that's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah, and, and Kelsey, I thought did it the right way. He said, "Look, I don't know him. He may be a great guy off the field, but that particular play." was BS. And, mm -hmm. and that that's how you handle stuff like that. But listen, yeah. I know we're up against it. I just got to ask you one more question before I let you roll. Deshaun Jackson retiring as a Philadelphia Eagle, being honored on Sunday. We all have some great memories of D-Jax, but my question for Farzi, Eagles Hall of Famer? I think so. Um, I, what I don't like is that, and you're right to ask the question because it is a question, but I hate that it's a question. And the reason it's a question is is two words, Chip Kelly. And <laughs> I said his name yesterday. People in the chat got angry, man. We can't say <laughs> Chip Kelly. Like I, I remember when all that was going down, when he just had this incredible season and the Chip Kelly offense was, man, it was humming, baby. And um, I remember when all that was going down, and I just remember thinking, when's – like all this stuff came out, like, oh, a kid from L.A., new gang members? No way! You know what I mean? And it was like – the Eagles let him go, and then we all expected him. I remember saying on the radio at the time, okay, I'm waiting for the video of the perp walk. I'm waiting for people arresting him at the Novacare complex or his house or wherever, escorting him out in handcuffs, and it never happened. For whatever reason, the Eagles and Chip Kelly, they just said, or Chip Kelly, I should say, was just done with Deshaun Jackson. Um, it's hard to stay mad at Chip Kelly after the Eagles win a Super Bowl, just a couple of years after he was fired. But, man, I still am. <laughs> I'm yeah. still pissed. I think everybody is, man. Generational talents. Is. 
generational talents, LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson. I'm talking about generational talents for the Eagles. I mean, LaShawn McCoy became the all-time leading rusher in Eagles history, so there's that. Yeah. But the generational talents for Philadelphia, we were we were robbed of those years. This Jackson could have been and, – and how great would that have been to have that kind of career in Philadelphia? Like, would have been the Eagles' all-time leading receiver, Hall of Fame career maybe. Um, it just it just wasn't meant to be because of Chip Chip Kelly. I think uh, Niners fans can relate too because after we fired him, he went to San Francisco. And what do you have like one win that season? So, <laughs> something like that, yeah, something like right. that. Well, Farzi, I appreciate you like always, my friend. I will see you on Sunday at the Ocean Casino. Check out the Farzi show every morning from six to seven. Check out Farzi and me on the Eagles game day shows here on the Jacob Sports Network. Farzi, have a great weekend, my brother. You as you as well, my friend. Take it easy. See you soon, man. That's our man, Mark Farzetta. Love when he joins the show. And, man, he's saying he would not be surprised if the Eagles dominated the 49ers. We will see. But we're going to continue to break this down tomorrow because that's our hour. That is our Philly Sports Power Hour today. But on our Football Friday tomorrow, we are going to be breaking down all the matchups. We'll look at this San Francisco 49ers offense, their defense, Hopefully, we'll have a better understanding of this Philadelphia Eagles injury report. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? But like we end every show, guys, with a little today in sports history, we're going to hit you with two birthdays today. Bill Walsh was born November 30th, 1931. Think about what Bill Walsh has meant to the game of football, introducing the West Coast offense, all those years of success in San Francisco. And another birthday today, Bo Jackson, 61 today, was born on November 30th. You don't know Bo. Bo Jackson, pretty incredible athlete, the stuff he was able to do. So, guys, as always, I appreciate all of you. Appreciate all the engagement in the chat. Go ahead, hit that like button for me. Hit that share button. And like I said, head on over to my Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face. you got to see the video of Merrill Reese talking about his greatest memory outside of Super Bowl 52, and it's DJX, Miracle at the Meadowlands, number two. Appreciate all you guys. I will be back here tomorrow, 10 o'clock, for our Football Friday. Have a great day, and as always, go Birds. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.